Hello and welcome to the Verbal to Visual podcast. I'm your host, Doug Neal, and I am thrilled to have as my guest today, Michelle Jones, a good friend of mine who is currently doing what few people ever do. She is starting a new college called the Wayfinding Academy, which will be located in Portland, Oregon, and will give students an alternative approach to higher education, one driven by the students' interests and the ways in which they would like to make a positive contribution to society, rather than being driven by institutional interests that too often lead students down a structured path that may or may not lead to a fulfilling life. In our conversation, we talk about the way Michelle and I met, how our first work together was a strong precursor to all things verbal to visual, as well as an example of what future wayfinding students can look forward to. We discuss what it takes to bring a college to life and the underlying principles that are guiding the development of this new college and the experience that it will provide for its students. At the core of Verbal to Visual is this intersection of learning and making. We build the skills that it takes to get ideas out of our head and onto the page so that we can do and make meaningful things with those ideas. What Verbal to Visual does for your ability to work with ideas, the Wayfinding Academy will do for students' ability to live a fulfilling life. They will learn by doing and by making, and they will have the right mentors to help them along the way. So, for those interested in improving the education system, then you won't want to miss this conversation. Let's get into it. Michelle Jones, welcome to the Verbal to Visual podcast. Thank you for joining us today. How are uh, how are things in sunny Portland? I don't always get to call it sunny Portland, so I figured I should point that out. Thanks, Doug. It's really nice here. Surprisingly, we're having a heat wave, believe it or not. And well, you're not too far away in Eugene, so you know. Uh, I think it's supposed to get to 100 degrees today or tomorrow, which is unheard of. Unheard of in Portland. It, it is a little crazy. I think the the high in the next couple of days is 97 here in Eugene. Not quite topping 100, but either way, it's uh, too too hot for me and a little scary overall. Um, <laughs> but we will we will manage despite our uh, lack of having to deal with that much heat most of the time. Yeah, we have to come up with like these coping mechanisms. People who don't normally have window unit air conditioners buy them. My neighbor was filling up a one of those inflatable pools full of water, nice, just in case this morning. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Things you don't normally get to see. It's true. This is true. Um, okay, so where I thought I would like to start our conversation today is actually uh, via the story of how we first met, our first interaction, because as I was thinking about that earlier today, there's some interesting parallels between that first interaction that you and I had and what we're each doing right now. Um, so I think I would like to t try to tell that story as best as I can and then see let that kind of lead into uh what what you're up to and then we can dig into that how does Absolutely. that sound to you 
That sounds great. This is one of my favorite stories, actually. And I do. I agree with you. I think it sets a good tone for the rest of the conversation. It's perfect. Cool. Cool. Well, feel free to uh, fill in any gaps or interrupt if I'm uh, missing something or telling something in a way that you don't remember it, too. Who knows? Maybe uh, I've I've blurred reality a bit uh, thinking about it. But to my recollection, um, this was two or three years ago in Portland. Uh, I had been in Portland for maybe like a year. I was kind of just getting going with this whole sketchnoting thing. I'd been blogging at the Graphic Recorder, sharing my own sketchnotes online of different talks, um, a lot of kind of like TED Talks and podcasts and those sorts of things. And I remember seeing a tweet from Chris Gillibo, who is a Portland resident, letting folks know about uh, tickets that had just gone on sale for... TEDx Concordia U Portland, uh, now known as TEDx Mount Hood. But at the time, that was the the first time that I had heard of any TEDx event going on in in Portland. So I kind of jumped away from whatever I was doing and bought my ticket to that event right away and uh, sent a tweet out to a TEDx Concordia U Portland saying, hey, just bought my tickets to this event. I am really excited to uh, go try out my live sketchnoting skills at this, this TEDx event. And then within, I think like less than 24 hours, the next day, I get an email from you saying, hey, we saw your tweets. We've actually been kind of looking for some way to incorporate sketchnoting or a visual element into our event because you are the the lead organizer for that TEDx event in Portland. So we we got together, I think just a few days after that, pretty um, in a relatively short time frame, got together for coffee. And what I remember about that conversation, I I was kind of coming in expecting to be like, okay, so we're doing this event and we're kind of looking for this person to do this particular type of sketchnoting illustrated thing. Uh, Can you do that? Um, But that's not how the conversation (laughs) went down at all. Uh, Instead, you asked something along the lines of, uh, so this this sketchnoting stuff is kind of cool. Like, what what do you want to do? How how do you want to be a part of, of this event? In what way would you like to like stretch your skills and try something new? And I thought, yeah, yeah, that that surprised me. I was not expecting that type of uh, open ended um, involving me in, in that type of way in in that process which I thought was very cool. It caught me off guard at first. Um, and then in, in the matter of that, within that maybe half an hour or 45 minute chat, we, we came up with a, a number of, of things that we could do. One of which was putting together these illustrated videos that would serve as the intro slides that would play on the big screen uh, right before each speaker came on the stage to give their TEDx talk. Uh, and what's what's interesting is that that was the very first time that I had ever done any of those illustrated videos, and you, myself, and George, another member of the planning team, I remember gathering at my house in Portland and seeing all this video equipment that George had set up and doing all these videos for the first time. Uh, and now that is essentially what I do for a living. I make two or three of those videos a week now. I watched what George did and got all of the, the right equipment and and that has become a big part of what I do now at, at Verbal to Visual which I just think is 
so first of all, thank you for the opportunity for doing something like that and engaging in a cool, creative project uh, that was part of this bigger event. And it was fun for me also to be there at the, the TEDx event that day and do some sketching through, throughout. And part of the reason I wanted to, to share that story is because that experience that I had kind of coming to you and you being like, okay, so I see you're interested in, in this thing here. How can we, we tie in what you're doing to our event? And like, how can we help you build your skills and, and try something new? Because one, I don't, I, I know that I'm not the only one who has had that type of experience with you uh, <laughs> via the people you have um, worked with, with the TEDx event, and then also as a professor at Concordia University. Um, and now coming up, what the way that I am imagining your next endeavor, the Wayfinding Academy, which is what we'll kind of transition to, I sometimes think of, of that as essentially providing those type of opportunities at a larger scale, creating a whole college around that idea of helping people um, explore the things they're excited about and passionate about and merge that passion and exploration with a uh, meaningful contribution to the community and, and the world at large. Uh, so that's exciting to see <laughs> both where that that one experience has led me and then also uh what you're doing now with the creation of an entirely new school new college in in portland um so that's very exciting to hear and see so i will stop there and ask how does that sound like the uh correct way of, of describing how things went down that Okay, first of all, I love that story. And I have heard you tell it a couple times, and I've told it numerous times myself. And every time, I love that story. And it's, it seems exactly accurate to my memory as well, to what happened. And I love that we now have a totally new purpose for this story. It, it becomes sort of a metaphor for, or an analogy for what the Wayfinding Academy is based upon. And I hadn't quite conceived of it that way. Because, uh, of course, I see the philosophy from the other end, right? The one asking those questions of what do you want to do and what are you passionate about and how can I help? Mm -hmm. And so I love the way you described it. Thank you for that. It is wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. And you're right. Uh, with the Wayfinding Academy, gosh, it's been... It's been 10 years since I've had the idea to start the Wayfinding Academy. Of course, 10 years ago, I did not, I had no name for it. I couldn't have described it nearly as articulately as you just did. And I wouldn't have known even the tiniest sliver of where to begin. So it's been basically a decade in the making of deliberately practicing, uh, approaching teaching the way you just described, right? Like in my role as a professor, which is what I've been doing for 15 years, in traditional higher education institutions, colleges and universities across the country, usually, almost always, in schools of business or management, meeting students where they are and saying, great, we're here to learn about leadership or organizational behavior or teamwork or social entrepreneurship. What are you interested in? Where are you at? And let's meet where you are and figure out how to take the next steps. Where do you want to add value? Where do you want to add meaning? What skills do we need to practice? And let's go from there. So I love that 
from your angle, what you're picking up on is it's not just something that happens in a classroom, but it's sort of an approach to life in general, right? Like, and it's amazing. It was cool also meeting when you and I met that you had that approach too, this love of learning and this constant desire to build new skills and make new connections and find this this gap in your knowledge that you want to fill to take you to the next step of what you think you want to do next. And you're willing to experiment. Yeah, I'll give that making videos a try and we'll see how it goes. And this may become something I do more and more of in the future. And it did, right? I love that. And that's definitely what, it's definitely what the Wayfinding Academy is going to be. Every student who arrives, that is where we will start with them, right? Is who are you? What do you care about? What do you love to do? What are your interests? What are your passions? What do you want to contribute to the world? And how do we get there from here? And in this case, it won't be just me because I, I can't do it all, <laughs> but it won't be just me, but it'll be a team of advisors and mentors in the community who pair up with that student. And we say, great, okay, based on what we've learned about you, here's where we're going to go next. And then building a portfolio of projects and experiences and skills that they then can show people later that they have this, 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 and this skill and that they can uh, build upon later and use to get their next job or their next internship or the next experience, or if they continue in another realm of higher education to get into that role. So that's the goal of the Wayfinding Academy is that every student will have a handcrafted educational experience specific to them and what they're interested in with a lot of guidance and a lot of support to help them to take the next steps so that when they leave, it's designed as a two-year program. So presumably most of them will stay about two years, maybe a little more, maybe a little less because it's a portfolio system. So as soon as they complete their portfolio of things that they and their advisors and mentors have set up, then they move on to their next thing. So when they move on, they take this whole portfolio of experiences with them and all the connections that come of it. So one thing that you didn't mention with your story is you mentioned a little bit, alluding a little bit to the community mm -hmm. aspect of how we met and also things that happened after we met with you getting to know the TEDx planning team. And now you've collaborated with them on a variety of other things and us meeting because of a tweet that our mutual friend Chris Gillibo <laughs> sent out, right? Right, right. And that's kind of a absolutely crucial core element to the Wayfinding Academy as well, um, is just like you then started building this community around you with people who had common interests and skills. I think of um, several people you've interviewed on verbal to visual before, mm -hmm. Rebecca Shapiro, yes. Gary Hirsch, yep. folks like this, mm -hmm. who you've met through, at least tangentially, through your work with the TEDx community. Yeah, directly and, through, that, through that community. Okay, direct, absolutely. <laughs> directly through that community. <laughs> it's going to be like that for Wayfinding Academy students too, right? That the, like our community, myself and about a dozen others are on the founding team and board for this thing. And we are loaning our networks of connections, which is predominantly here in Portland, but also generally throughout the Pacific Northwest, to the, to the wayfinding students. So the wayfinding students get the benefit of all of our years of experience and connecting and being part of this community and being involved. And that's where we'll pull our mentors and advisors from 
and people who provide internships and apprenticeships and various things like this. So they're not only joining like a college where they get it, they get this educational experience and portfolio. They also join this community that then will last with them for many, many, many years to come and open up all kinds of doors that none of us can even see coming. Right. Like I imagine some of the things that you've done, you didn't anticipate ever <laughs> necessarily doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what I like about this model, I guess kind of thinking back to, to that first interaction that, that we had and the, um, the ability to, at least in the way that I have explored, like sketch noting and graphic recording and this world of that has become verbal to visual, um, always existed outside of any sort of educational structure. Um, so this is, I have finished my schooling. This has kind of been all uh, self-directed, which is appealing in a lot of ways and exciting because I do get to um, pursue those projects and things that that are most interesting in, in the moment and there's this kind of natural evolution and community building to it um but i there are so many times when i can imagine and even when i have i guess certain um struggles that i've had as i've been doing all that kind of more or less on my own, or at least in, in that very kind of self-directed way, how beneficial it would have been to have a community of, of advisors uh, to help, I mean, not only be a, you know, a, a source of professional and personal support as I was exploring these fields, um, but also tapping into to, to that community. And um, I, I feel like the, the community that develops within that type of learning environment would have amplified the things that I have done kind of on my own over the past couple of years. So that's kind of exciting to see, to think of this college experience that provides both the organic growth that I think self-directed learners are familiar with and excites them with a, a support structure that completely amplifies their their efforts um so that's it's exciting to see such a learning environment coming together that you are literally creating with this initial set of advisors i my last kind of direct involvement with anything related to, to the wayfinding academy was it a a retreat very early on probably about a year ago where about a dozen of these advisors, these folks that are now building the Wayfinding Academy, we got together and kind of had this big brainstorming session about what this thing was was going to be all about. Um, and even though I am focusing on, on verbal to visual and excited about what I'm growing here, I am in a lot of ways equally excited about what you guys are building with, with the Wayfinding Academy. Um, let me, so, let me, yeah, uh, that retreat that you were at that, yeah, it was almost a year ago. I think it nine months ago now, something like that. Uh, that was an amazing, that, that day was when I knew that this would work right in the long term and in the big picture kind of thing that this could really work because, uh, if you recall one of the, the question we started out with that morning when we got together was, why are we here? Why, why did we 
think that doing something like the Wayfinding Academy, and again, at that point, we did not have a name for this thing. <laughs> right, we were just right. talking we about. No, we we were just talking about. We want to start a different kind of college, you know, a better way to explore possible paths and possible options that you can take as a young person. That, that is based on your interests and your passions, but you're not doing it alone. Because I loved what you said about the self-directed learners. That's We want to tap into that, and we don't want to get in the way of that, and we don't want to stop that. But we also want to augment that, right? And help, help those students uh, find their way, right, is our goal. And so at the time, we didn't have this name, Wayfinding Academy. We just could talk about what we thought this thing would be and why we were there. And everybody in that room, yourself included, uh, comes from a background from higher education and community service and running nonprofits and citizen engagement types of organizations. So we're all coming from this background and set of experiences where we've seen what the current traditional higher education system has does to young people, right? It help, It takes people who maybe don't know what they want to do and puts them through sort of a checklist of, well, you, you major in this and then you study this and then you take this and then you do this and then you go and then you finish and you go and you get a job. And they, a lot of young people now feel like when they leave, they, they still don't know what they want to do. And they may even be more confused about what they want to do than when they started. And they've spent, I don't know, four or five, six years sometimes and a lot of debt jumping through these hoops and checking off these boxes. And we want to have an experience that's different than that. We want to have one that they don't, that they don't feel like they're just checking off boxes and going through a path that someone else has already set out for them. So we're trying to sort of undo some of that and provide an alternative, provide another way to go about this, to start that portion of your life around that age. Right. And I think another, um, I, I, Agree with the way you described a like potential um, college experience for kind of the a typical college experience for students these days. I, I think a similar one, or a not a similar one, but um, one that kind of leads to potentially a similar outcome is even if a person doesn't feel like lost at the end of a particular college experience, they might have chosen a particular path as a freshman and just because of momentum that they kind of f followed that path and because they had maybe put time and energy and money into this particular career path even if they weren't super excited about it at the end i think there's a lot that that pushes folks to continue down that path even if they know that it's not the right fit uh which can lead to you know heartache and, and issues issues down the line too so i kind and of well, in today's higher education system, it's sort of set up that that way. And there's there are so many caring and gifted uh, professors and student services folks and, and people who work in higher education who care deeply about students and want the best for them and want to help them. And it's like they're fighting, a lot of them feel like they're fighting this battle of bureaucracy and checkboxes and red tape and policies and procedures and higher education is changing rapidly and they're just trying to keep up as best as they can. And so unfortunately what ends up happening in, in most higher education institutions, certainly not all, but in most, in the, at least the standard typical ones, it's the student's experience is being diminished. They're, they're treated 
more like numbers in a classroom and there's a lot of part-time faculty who are hired to just come in, teach a class and go away. They don't have an office on campus. They don't have a place to meet with students. They don't have a way to teach multiple courses with a student so that they get to know a student over a series of years and watch them grow and develop their skills. And so the, the, the whole higher education institution has become something that doesn't quite serve, which is what we're trying to change. Um, one of our founding board members likes to say that, uh, describe the current traditional higher education system as being um, upside down. And that what we're trying to do is to turn it right side up, that we want to have education, this experience be focused on the student and have the student at the center and everything is hand tailored and handcrafted for, for that particular person and their interests, as opposed to making them fit into the interests or offerings or courses or majors that the institution has already had for decades, if not longer. So it's sort of flipping it flipping it around right which i think is is very powerful and even for me coming from my experience i had a very positive uh, undergraduate experience yeah as uh, but, did i as did i yeah but that came from a uh small liberal arts university uh this is willamette university in in salem oregon um that allowed for that connection with professors, most of whom I had more than one class with, and the exploration uh, that I see also at the the core of, of wayfinding, but some of the dissimilarities that I see when I think about small liberal arts universities and what is shaping up as the Wayfinding Academy is one, a different financial <laughs> investment. It's very expensive to go to that type of small liberal arts college. Um, and there's also a, a potential disconnect with the broader community and and also kind of the post-college steps. What, what I'm hearing about the Wayfinding Academy, and I'd, I'd like to hear uh, kind of where you are now and where you're going to give listeners yeah. a sense of what's going on at, at this point in, in time. But what I, what I see as being unique about the Wayfinding Academy is this integration with the local community um, and the, the ability for students to do this exploring and connecting with individual professors, but also with other folks of their, their neighbors and uh, develop deeper ties that will carry them through to their post-college lives in a much more, what seems like could be a much more integrated and uh, fluid way than what most College graduates find college graduates find when they get their diploma and go on to whatever's next. Absolutely, and and in your case, you you were at a wonderful institution that was small, and you had the ability to experience that. But even even so, you took steps on your own to make sure that you got additional experiences. I mean, you did some study abroad. You had a second major that had nothing to do with your primary one or the first one you started out with. So you, you chose a lot of experiences that, that typical students maybe don't choose or don't even know they can choose, right? And right. I think that's partly what we want to change as well. So in, in my years of teaching in the traditional higher education system, 
I'm always an advocate for students to uh, make their own major. Most institutions, most colleges and universities allow you to design your own major. There's a lot of bureaucratic hurdles that you have to go through to get to that point, Mm -hmm. but they almost all have a system in place that's rarely used where you can do that and you can take pick and choose things that the, that they offer on campus and cobble together a major that's more along the lines of what you're interested in. And so I've always been an advocate for finding those kinds of things. And so with Wayfinding Academy, the whole thing is built that way. And we will it won't be all exploration and all of this all the time. It's a lot it's guided and it's intentional. And as we've mentioned, there's these the mentors and the advisors who are helping and putting some parameters on on the way to explore so that it's a fruitful exploration. And we will have six core courses that all students will take. And those have been developed and they've been written by uh, faculty members who are currently at higher education institutions and who have been teaching these courses for a number of years. And they're things like they're, they're general life skills types of things. They're things that every single person who's going to be a good citizen of any community, local or global, should know how to do. It's things like uh, dealing with conflict and how to communicate effectively, both in writing and in speaking, and how to do research, how to take vast amounts of information that exists now in libraries and on the internet and all kinds of places. And how do you make sense of that? And how do you take a question that you have and utilize all that information to come to an answer that's reliable? And how to work in teams, how to work with other people, these kinds of things. So there's going to be, there's one initial course that all students will take at the very beginning in terms of the time, the timing of the curriculum. All students will in, engage with this initial intake course, which is designed around those questions we talked about earlier with um, who are you, what do you want to, what do you want to do in the world, what do you want to contribute, and how do we get there from here? And then past that, they'll take the other five core courses in a sequence that works for them based on the other things that they're doing. But they'll all complete all six. Beyond that is where we get into the portfolio and the exploration and the projects that they do. And we're going to have some... So your question, I think, is where uh, where we are now in the development process, right? Yes, yes. Great. Tell us so about that. What we're doing now... Um, we are gearing up to accept our first cohort of 24 students in fall 2016. So we're about one year away at this moment from welcoming our first cohort of students. And during this year, what we're going to be doing is getting a bunch of partnerships in place and ready to go for them. So we hope to have students accepted and admitted a bit in advance so that we can start lining up potential mentors and internship opportunities and apprenticeship opportunities for them. And we're going to be relying on that network that we've built here in Portland and all of the connections that we have to try to do that. And getting partners who have specialty skill sets that aren't offered at most higher education institutions. Hmm. So one example that we have confirmed that we're doing And we have numerous more in the works, but I don't want to give it all away at once. (laughs) We will have um, essentially like a school within a school where you can learn podcasting. Podcasting is a big thing these days. Who podcasts? Uh, Come on, really, Michelle? Do people actually do that? 
I've heard that people download these things. They listen huh. to these. They even just show up magically on your phone sometimes. Oh, look, a Crazy. new podcast episode. See? Te- technology's crazy. Okay, it's sorry. Keep craziness. going. <laughs> but, so, but even if, okay, even if you're not going to make an actual podcast, there are some skills there. Even if you're not going to make one and put it on SoundCloud or put it on iTunes and share it with the world, there are some s- valuable skills you get there from trying to create one, right? So in your case, every time you put together an episode, you do some research, right? You have to come up with a topic. You have to do some research. You have to find someone to talk to about that that thing you want to talk about. You have to come up with some really good questions that are not just superficial questions, but get to deeper things. You have to draw connections between, as you did with the story of how we met and the philosophy of the Wayfinding Academy. You have to draw these deeper connections between various pieces of information that you already have in your knowledge base. You have to formulate that somehow. So that takes a lot of writing or articulate speech and you have to put these things together into a way that makes a nice package that makes sense to someone who would be listening to it and maybe if they know nothing about that topic before that helps them understand something about it later so you're also teaching so just the process of putting together what, sorry. <laughs> that's a great way of describing right? you know what it takes okay. to like uh to put together a, a podcast that, it's that a complicated very... set of skills right there right and you have to build a relationship. I mean, you couldn't, we couldn't be having this conversation if, if we didn't feel like we had a basis of a relationship to have it with, right? right? Even if we were strangers, which we're not. But a lot of times when people are creating podcasts, they are talking with strangers and they still have to formulate that rapport, mm-hmm. right? So that, there's a whole set of skills that go in there that are really good life skills to have. So one of the things we will have at the Wayfinding Academy is basically a podcasting school. And we've partnered with a local a local business that does that kind of thing. They help people tell stories and they help people create podcasts and presentations and get whatever their story is, whether it's a small one or a big one, out into the world in the most effective way possible. And they're interested in teaching anyone who wants to learn how to do these kinds of things, not only from the story creation, all the things we just talked about, but also from a technical standpoint, you have to master some technical skills. How do you Hmm. audio record? How do you audio edit? How do you do the audio mixing so that it takes out the weird little sounds in the background? (laughs) You know, all those kinds Uh of things, which are, which are transferable skills. All of these things are transferable skills that you could use in so many ways as you go out into the world afterwards. So one of the things we'll have is this podcasting school. We also plan to do similar things with filmmaking and a few other things. And so not every student will choose to do that, of course, but every student will do something like that before they leave. They'll either make a podcast episode or make a short film or put on a performance or give a speech Hmm. or do something that, that requires these complicated sets of skills. They can put this thing together in a meaningful way and take that with them when they leave. Then when they leave, they have a podcast episode or a short film or a speech that they've given that we've filmed for them that they can take. So all students will have those kinds of experiences as well. So right now, we're building those partnerships and we're getting those things lined up. We're finding a building that we can house all of this in. And we've got a couple of leads on that that we're working through the city of Portland to try to figure out, because we're not exactly, we are an educational institution but we're also a community institution. So we think the city of Portland has agreed that we are going to be a community services organization. 
which opens us up to being able to be located in a more urban setting. A lot of campuses that have educational zoning are not in urban settings these days. Right. So we are working with the city to be a community services organization, which is also accurate because in this first year, while we wait for our first students to arrive and get ready for them, we're going to be offering workshops and seminars to the community in general. So maybe we're offering a podcasting workshop. Anybody who wants to learn podcasting 101 can come take that with us or a filmmaking 101 type of thing. Or a <laughs> sketchnoting workshop, maybe led by a friend that you know who is moving back up to Portland that soon. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I think a lot of people would probably want to go to that. And But this also brings up another great point, because I know that you, you teach some of these things in an online format as well, right? So you can take people who are anywhere in the world and help them to build these skills and learn these things. And that could be true with podcasting as well. And so a lot of our partners are going to have this online component that they either already offer or will be offering as well. And there'll be an on-ground in-person component that they can offer to the local community, which we think will be a nice blend, right? So our students will take most of their courses in person on ground. But if there's something that we don't offer, that there's an expert somewhere else on the other side of the country or in another country that they offer, then that could be part of their portfolio as well. So it's going to be a little bit of everything. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, things that just came up there that that I I want to touch on. So I'll try to uh, kind of go through some of them in an an organized way. One that... I guess one of the most recent things you mentioned was having these community workshops. Um, I guess what I think people, uh, what's maybe more common when you think of the way in which a higher education system interacts with the community at large, it tends to fall more into the uh, kind of internship model, maybe like students going out and working with an organization um, for a certain period of time or, uh, you know, connecting with these advisors. What seems to me to be less common is this bringing the community into the kind of wayfinding experience itself via these workshops um, so that learning goes both ways, which I think is is very cool. And the the relationship is more of a mutually beneficial one and mutually supportive one, which I think is very cool. Yeah, we think that's pretty cool too. And the way that the way that most learning, real learning that, that happens in your everyday life that's not in this structured checklist way, that's the way most learning actually happens. So we want as much of that as possible. I love that because the second idea that came to mind, um, connecting also to when I think about verbal to visual and the folks that are interested in visual note taking, I think of this Venn diagram, the intersection of uh, learning and making. That's kind of what this visual note taking thing is, is all about. The folks that are interested in this are folks that like doing both of those things. They're kind of lifelong learners, but they also like making and creating things and this way of kind of purposeful doodling and sketching out ideas. 
it's kind of one specific skill that, that fits within that that overlap there. Uh, but it sounds like that's also part of the ethos behind the Wayfinding Academy through this ability to learn how to make podcasts or make videos or the the practical making of things throughout the educational experience um, is is powerful not only because that's the way that people learn best is through the making and the doing of, of things but also the way that the things that they're making again kind of thinking of the the transition from college to post-college life uh many of the things that i made as valuable as all of the essays that i wrote and the you know things that i did as as part of my undergraduate experience only one professor read that or saw that thing it it had a limited scope and impact and um audience and so even though that that was valuable for me to to create that thing to write those essays to to do those projects there's something that's exciting about doing similar work making these things but having from the get-go a potential broader impact in mind so that from the very beginning of your college experience you are tapping into the power that comes from making something that's intended to serve someone other than yourself right that's kind of part of it too uh and and other than just that one professor that one teacher that one mentor right right? so the way we envision it is that so we're, we're in when we're looking for building space, we're intentionally looking for a space that gives us a large gathering space, something that would fit somewhere between 200 and 300 people where we can host film screenings and talks and performances. And since we are part of the TEDx community here in Portland, uh, maybe a TEDx youth event that is organized by and run by and planned by the students at the Wayfinding Academy. And we envision that there might be Maybe there are wayfinding students who get up and give an 18-minute or less TEDx talk on the work that they've been doing. And maybe we have a iTunes and SoundCloud channel that's the Wayfinding Academy where all of those podcasts that students create live that they can then share. And maybe we have a community night once a year or twice a year where we show the short films that students have made about the things they do. So they're, they're getting that practice with that as well, as you were saying, not just creating it for yourself or for one other person, but creating it to be shared more broadly. And then of course, these things all become part of their portfolio and they take these skills with them. Right. So I'm imagining, you know, it, maybe a student comes to us, they don't really know what they want to do. They know they're kind of interested in like, I don't know, healthy living. And so we, take them through this first course, we find them with some internships, maybe they do a podcast on this topic and they interview some experts in the field and find out the common knowledge and wisdom. And then maybe they use that to make a little short film also. And then they do these things. And then through this process, they decide that what they would really like to do is become a doctor and impact the healthcare system through their knowledge about healthy living and the importance of that and how it intersects with other aspects of life. And so they leave the Wayfinding Academy and they go on to a four-year university, transfer some of the credits from the Wayfinding Academy, 
start their four-year degree in a science of some sort, and then go on to medical school. And they take with them all these conversations that they've had with people, this film that they've created, this podcast that they've created, and a deeper understanding where they've had to really ask and answer hard questions, both for themselves and with the other people they've been working with. And then they end up having this whole breadth of knowledge and experience that helps them interact with patients and with other professionals in their field and things like this that you may not get. I would I would even say you probably don't get in a traditional higher education experience if you decide I'm going to be pre-med and go to medical school and here's what I'm going to do. I'm glad that you <laughs> mentioned that specifically because um, I remember some early conversations with, with different people uh, trying to describe um, after that initial, like, Hey, my friends are starting a college in Portland. That's cool. Right. <laughs> and like, even like before delving into like the ethos of what the, the school is all about, the questions are like, Oh, like what sort of degrees are, are they going to be giving? And, um, like, what if they want to go on and do something next? There's this obviously kind of alternative nature to what you're doing. Um, but the questions are, are often like, okay, well, how does that, does that connect with kind of more mainstream paths and it is good to know and i think good for listeners to hear that it's not not cutting off options for going that route um after this experience um and i don't think i mentioned this earlier but what that also that makes me think of this idea that's kind of been on my mind for the past couple of years as I have explored this world of visual thinking and um, starting to build this small business around it. Uh, an, an idea that I heard early on was the idea of align and then build. Um, there's this process first of particularly in, in my case when exploring building a business, but thinking about any sort of a career path or um, even developing personal strength and whatever or any type of skill or whatever you're doing, there's it's so useful to first go through this, uh, this period of alignment where you figure out um, where you fit so that you're not building things on a slant in your life mm -hmm. that's going to come crumbling down in, in 10 years. Uh, the ability to have that time to align before you start building is incredibly valuable, um, which it sounds like that's one of the things that, that the Wayfinding Academy will, will provide is that opportunity for exploration that leads to um, alignment. Absolutely. And and this is, and as you've mentioned, we, the first sort of retreat we had with this brain trust of people who are coming up with all of this, which, which eventually led to the name, the Wayfinding Academy, uh, about maybe a month later, part of what we've been doing since that time is, is some of this aligning process, clarifying what we are and what we're not, and what is the why behind why we're doing all of this. Right. And some of that is this very philosophical, wonderful stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> and some of it becomes very practical. And so... Oh, such a perfect metaphor for what you're going to be helping students go through. Exactly right. right exactly <laughs> right. And and I, I tell you what, I'm learning a lot about this. Uh, I'm learning a lot about how... Well, first of all, nobody's... Who starts a freaking college from scratch? Like, that does not happen. <laughs> so... There's no book on how to do this. There's no step-by-step -step thing you can follow. So we're There's no podcast on how to start your own college. There is you no podcast into? on how to start your own That's college. Maybe we need to do that. <laughs> it's amazing. The things that 
it, there's a lot to it. And a lot of it is fun and exciting and energizing. And some of it is more practical and figuring out how to navigate the existing realm of higher education, which is where it comes in extraordinarily helpful that at least half of our team comes directly from experiences in higher education. We have more than 100 years of teaching experience among us. I'm only 15 years of that. So we have much more experienced people than I am who are coming at it with that. We also have people who can't come from college admissions counseling and student advising and residence life and student services and all of these things who have seen the student experience from many angles over a long period of time. With that, we've got someone on our team who knows a lot about accreditation and how all of that works. So part of what we're spending this next year doing, so sometimes when I talk to people and I say, because we're, I mean, Every one of us is spending hours and hours every day working on this thing in addition to the other projects and other jobs <laughs> right. and other commitments. No, nobody's that we getting have. paid yet. This is all no you guys are one, putting no your one is own getting time paid into yet. all of this. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's how for a year we've all been donating our time to all of this. And some of us, like myself, will continue donating our time for at least the year ahead. And but this is not a sustainable model for all of us. <laughs> right. And part of the reason why we have a year between our big launch coming up and when students actually arrive is because there's a lot of some of the practical things we have to do, getting a building, lining up partnerships, those kinds of things. But we're also working with the um, Oregon Higher Education Coordinating Commission, who is sort of like the consumer protection agency for higher education in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Their role is to make sure that if you're going to be opening a college or something, which really doesn't happen all that often, or offering new programs as an existing college, that the parents and the students and the partners who come, who partner with you and collaborate with you, that they're getting what, that you, what you're promising them. So they have a lot of approval processes and things that we will be working with them on to make sure that we're doing all of the things that we should be doing, that we're living up to the promises that we're making. And then that puts us in a good position to apply for regional accreditation, which is the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities, which is the accrediting body for the Pacific Northwest region. And we can apply for that, but we can't apply for that until our first students enroll. So... Hmm. Part of what the next year will be spent doing is getting all of those procedures and processes and documents in place so that we're ready to file for accreditation as soon as we are able to, as soon as they allow us to. And then we enter, then it gets all technical, and then we're in a candidacy phase, and then we go through some reviews and so on and so forth. And then that's how that all happens. Our goal is also to partner with local institutions other colleges and universities, so that some of our credits are transferable easily to those institutions mm -hmm. should one of our students choose to go there afterwards right. and study a specific thing. So we're going to try to find the the regional higher education institutions that have the best programs in X, Y, Z fields and be able to refer students to them uh, even before we have all the accreditation finalized is the goal so that um, we have all of those bases covered. So what? So speaking of this whole volunteers thing, this means that we have, we have to have a wide breadth of skill sets on our team, and thankfully we do. Um, 
And one of our goals, we would like to very soon be able to start paying a few of those people uh, so that this can be the thing that they do primarily, right? In addition to the other things, none of us will be quitting every other thing that we do in order to do this for the next year, although once our students arrive, we will. So that becomes a tricky endeavor because normal higher education institutions have grant monies and mm-hmm. tuition dollars mm-hmm. and federal financial aid funds and things like this that they can use as their operating budget. And we will too, once we have students and accreditation and so forth. And then, But before that point, we don't have access to those things. We can't yet get grants and we can't yet have tuition dollars and we can't yet until we have our accreditation paperwork filed, get federal financial aid monies. So we have to get a bit creative. So we are taking more of a startup endeavor type of approach at this phase, and we're launching a crowdfunding campaign. So our goal with our crowdfunding campaign is to raise $200,000 for our first year of operating. We're calling it year zero. It's because the students who come in, (laughs) the students who come in for our first cohort, they don't want to be like, wait, we're year two? What happened to year one? (laughs) (laughs) Where'd they go? So this is year zero. They get to be year one, class one. But this is year zero before they arrive. And $200,000 is what we've calculated that we need to get off the ground and running, to get a building, to hire some staff, to get the accreditation, to finalize our curriculum, to set up some stipends and so forth with guest lecturers and workshops and set up a podcasting school and stuff like this. So that's our current focus, which is a very interesting endeavor because on the one hand, we're starting a college, which has all these very cool things. And on the other hand, we're totally starting up. We're a startup organization right? that's doing building a website and creating social media campaigns and running a crowdfunding campaign and doing all of those types of things that most colleges and universities don't do. (laughs) No, no, they don't. So it's a really interesting time in the evolution of the Wayfinding Academy. Yeah, it's a really interesting uh, blend of things. And I just keep going back to what we mentioned just a couple of minutes ago of the, the process of you and the team building this college is very similar to the process of someone entering a college experience what they will find as they um, explore and then decide what they want to build with their lives so it's really kind of cool that it there is that similarity between the way this is building and the experience that students will have uh, within the the college itself and on the one hand, when people think of like traditional Kickstarter campaigns that they've probably seen most frequently, it's a friend trying to raise like a couple thousand dollars to be able to make a n- new album so their band can go record a new album or something uh, to the point where it's like, wow, $200,000 seems like a lot of money. But on the other hand, like to be able to start a college for $200,000, that's not very much money on, on that scale of things. Um, so I'd be curious to hear, because I know, I guess part of what the experience for you guys has been like developing this this college, this is a primarily in-person experience, right? These students are going to attend your uh, the Wayfinding Academy in Portland, Oregon, but there's also this, this broader 
um, existence of the Wayfinding Academy online, not only via the types of things that you know students will be creating this podcast series, but but also uh, aspects of the curriculum that can be accessible to anybody around the world, no matter where they are. Uh, why don't you speak a little bit to what that will look like, since the audience for this podcast is is global uh, for folks that have so far enjoyed the uh, the ideas about education that have been coming up and that might want to explore them on their own in more depth. Absolutely. The so a, one clarification I get absolutely the Wayfinding Academy will be in person. It'll right. be in Portland. <laughs> students will come here. They will spend time here. We also hope that the majority of our students spend some part of their two years with us away from here. And they go and have another experience in a different culture, whatever different culture means to them, but they go somewhere and do something and come back and tell us about it. And again, maybe they're capturing that in, in a photography show that they, that they put together or in a short film that they make or in a blog that they've written or a newsletter that they've created to send out to people. So we hope that there's always this continuous coming and going and coming and going and bringing lessons from out there back into here and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. So we want it to be that way where not only is Portland our campus, but the world is our campus. And the Portland campus, the, the physical location we're going to have, I'm, you know, insider secrets here. This is, our goal is for it not to be our only one. Mm. Our goal, we want them to stay small. We feel like this community element this supportive community element is huge to the success of this and what higher education should be. So we want the Wayfinding Academy Portland to not get any larger than 150 to 200 most in the community. And after that, we would start another location. So we started That's putting exciting. a little thought into where those other locations would be. And so then that opens a lot of other opportunities. Describe but, why, why do you want to keep it at that number? Mm. Uh, it's part of it is a thing that some of us have been adhering to for quite a while that there's a lot of research that it's called Dunbar's number. There's a lot of research that says that 150 people is the right size for a community mm -hmm. at 150 people. You can know everybody's name and know at least a little bit about everybody and have strong, close relationships with a significant portion of those people. Once you get much bigger than that, it gets harder to have that community, harder to have that knowledge of a little bit about everybody in your community. So we're using that as a general guiding principle for how big we want each location to get before we start another location. Right. So that's where that's coming from. Uh, some, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're pretty excited about that. We're, we're not getting too far into our thought process on where our next one would be because <laughs> we got to get this, this one point. first. Yep. <laughs> yep. But the other piece that you were asking about is are there elements of the curriculum that if you're not in Portland or, or maybe you don't want to be a Wayfinding Academy student, maybe you're at a different phase of your life or you want to do this in addition to something else that you're already doing and you don't have two years to, to relocate to Portland and spend doing this endeavor is are there any ways to access it so yes we have a way to access that it is live right now actually one of our founding team members uh, is sean aiken and he's the creator of the one week job project so sean's why for being involved in the wayfinding academy is that 
when he finished, he did all the right things. He was a great student, went to a good college, and at the top of, graduated at the top of his class, studied all the things he was supposed to study, learned how to make great grades, take all the tests, learn all the stuff, and then promptly forgot it, right? As most of us do in the <laughs> traditional higher education system. And when he graduated, he felt like, what the heck just happened? Like, I did all the things right, and I don't have any direction. I don't know what I want to do. I don't have passions and interests and skill sets that I can go apply to things right away. What am I going to do? So he conceived of the one-week job project where he worked a different job every week for 52 weeks. And he documented it. And his underlying goal was to find his passion, to figure out what it was. And he figured by trying a bunch of different things, he would figure out what makes people passionate about the work that they do. And is it possible he's passionate about one of these 52 things he's going to try? So he ended up making a documentary film. He wrote a book. And then... People all over the world have followed his lead and created their own one-week job projects where they live. He lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, and a woman in Portland did it, and a guy in India did it, and someone in Australia did it, and in the UK. So it's been all over the world where people have taken on their own one-week job projects. So Sean is part of our founding team, and he created... He and I wrote a curriculum together that's based off of the passion-based leadership course that I've been teaching for about a decade, and that combines that with his experiences from his one-week job project and his search for his own passion and meaning and way he wanted to contribute to the world. And we combined that into a 10-lesson course that is called the Wayfinder Curriculum, and it is available right now for anyone who wants to go through that. So 10 lessons. You can go through it as quickly or as slowly as you'd like. Everyone start, every one of the 10 lessons starts with a video introduction that sets the tone, talks a little bit about why this particular module is important and how it connects to the last one and how it connects to the next one. And there's discussion questions, activities to do. So you get out into the world a little bit and you do some things and you try some things and you come back and reflect on that and then you figure out what your next steps are so that by the end, you can answer some of those questions about who am I, what do I care about, what do I want to do with my life, and what do I do next, which is sounding, hopefully sounding <laughs> familiar now, which is the core underlying philosophy writ large of the Wayfinding Academy, but also the questions that we tackle in the introductory course for Wayfinding Academy students on ground in Portland. But that is now available for anyone who wants to as the Wayfinder curriculum online. That is great to know that that resource already exists. Um, and it's it, it's cool to just think about um, folks around the globe being able to engage in the same sort of questions and experiences um, that students that will be in Portland in person uh, engaging with those same same questions and, and experiences. Um, and, and also I think for any point in your life too. And, right. and I, I, I know for myself um, that I've gone through that kind of process at least two or three times in my life of asking that series of questions, sometimes with more focus on the what next and sometimes with more focus on the what do I want to, what kind of value do I want to add to the world? But, you know, I feel like most of us repeat that kind of reflection process mm -hmm. throughout our lives. And having that as a resource 
if, if you're in that phase of your life, no matter how old or young you are or where you live in the world, where you're saying, I feel like the thing I'm doing right now is not what I want to be doing. How do I take my next steps to, to figuring out what, what shifts and what changes that I want to make in my life to get onto the path I want to be on? This is a good resource for them, right? This is a good resource for any of us. And we could do it more than once in our life if we wanted. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with you on uh, c- coming up against those, those questions on a regular uh, basis uh, or on a, on a recurring basis. And I just want to warn the... you, though, that the most recent time I went through that sort of reflection process, <laughs> the end result was, I'm going to start a college. <laughs> so, and here we are. So, uh, you know, you never know where this is going to yeah, take you. So be ready. That's exciting. And the last time I went through that process um also happened to be with you and another group well some of another professor who is also involved in the wayfinding academy and a few other college students we hiked across spain and the thing that was on my mind was that very question of what next and you know what that led to (laughs) this thing right here verbal to visual uh yeah this this wouldn't have existed if not for that other experience that was meaningful in in so many ways part of it was the perspective that you get when you're in um another country and getting to know that country by walking through it is a pretty pretty incredible experience um but then to know come out of that knowing what you want to build is a pretty cool thing um so what you're saying is maybe our introductory wayfinding academy course should take place while walking across spain i think that should be an option yes i think i, I think, think you're that, right uh, i agree with you i think that there needs to be an audio format that people <laughs> can put on whatever device they want so that while they're walking each yes. day there's maybe you don't want to make it too long because there's a lot of other interactions that happen while you're on the camino but maybe like 10 or 20 minutes of setting the stage and then some prompts for people to think about that day it's a great Um, idea yeah wow give everybody a notebook and a journal and they can they can do audio reflections on the discussion questions or they can write them or draw them or sketch note them whatever they want to (laughs) do I love this idea. Okay, you're hired to teach that class. (laughs) On it. Dibs. I got dibs. It's all yours. Ah, great. Well, that... that This is how the wayfinding magic happens. (laughs) Right, right. You have these conversations, and then a little over an hour in, you're like, whoa, wouldn't it be cool if we made this thing together? (laughs) Um, And then we actually go do it. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, that that might be a good good ending point, ending thought, and yeah, we have for, a lot of work this, to do now. This Gotta conversation. Go. Um, where can people go to find out more about what the uh, Wayfinding Academy is all about? All of the information lives at wayfindingacademy.org. So everything can be linked to from there. That online Wayfinder curriculum can be found there. Uh, information about our Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign is there. The photos and bios of all of these wonderful amazing founding team members we keep referencing all of that is there information about the core curriculum and we even have a frequently asked questions section to try to capture some of the other auxiliary pieces as well but um, you can also reach us you can contact us through there as well send us an email or uh, give us a call and that way we can answer even more questions 
Right on. So wayfindingacademy.org is the whole thing. Yeah. So go to wayfindingacademy.org and uh, you'll see also where they exist another. It's been fun to see um, you guys starting to use Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook, particularly the types of uh, interesting articles and questions that you've been sharing on on Facebook that it's uh, starting some worthwhile conversations yeah. around the core that's not just stuff that you guys are doing but yeah. other things that other people are doing and have been thinking about and have been writing about uh, it's kind of fun to see that yeah. that all come together so there's a lot happening there's yeah. a lot happening in higher education right now oh and we, we hope to be just one of many pieces that are helping make it better better for students better for society better for our communities that we think there's a a lot that higher education could be doing that is not doing so we're hoping to be one piece of that solution which makes me think if if i can get you for if i can uh get you to stay on the line for another hour michelle um i think (laughs) what i want to talk about next is the the way in which our economy is shifting the way people are living and make a living is totally changing for a lot of people and the way that that change um the way that it seems like the wayfinding academy is going to set people up for uh ultimate success and happiness in the the future economy we sure Uh, hope so yeah but but that's a whole nother conversation for another conversation on pause uh that'll be round two um whenever we we get you back on the line here that sounds great thank you doug this is a wonderful wonderful (laughs) conversation thank you for inviting me to have it Thank you, Michelle. As always, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Always, Doug. Thank you once again to Michelle Jones for that wonderful conversation. I am excited to announce that their Indiegogo campaign is now live and that membership to the Verbal to Visual classroom is one of the perks. So if you'd like to take your visual note-taking skills to the next level and help get the Wayfinding Academy up and running, then go check out wayfindingacademy.org to learn more. And for other notes and links related to my conversation with Michelle, check out verbaltovisual.com episode 18. As a self-directed learner, which I am, and I'm guessing that you are too, there is this excitement and energy that comes from our ability to explore our interests and make the things we want to make. But there is also loneliness and heartache and self-doubt that often accompanies that solo exploration. I think that the Wayfinding Academy will alleviate those pains for its students while helping them to find their way in the world and contribute to it in innumerable positive ways. I highly encourage you to contribute to their campaign if you're able. Until next time, I'm Doug Neal, signing off for Verbal to Visual.